Tijuana had just gone through one of its worst periods. The global recession of 2008 paired with record high drug violence that left the city wounded. Barely any tourists were coming, and for a city hyper-reliant on tourism, it was pretty rough. Tijuanenses, though, are very resilient. So the locals came up with ways to make the city something they could be proud of. There were lots of vacancies, rents were cheap, so the creative youth took advantage of it. They started opening spots that they wanted to go to. Not spots designed for tourists, but made specifically for themselves. Antonio Gamboa was one of those people. Like many of his generation, he was born in San Diego, but raised in Tijuana. He grew up surrounded by the multicultural electricity of Tijuana, and he was tired of the city's identity constantly being tied to drugs and violence in the media. So, as a passionate lover of food with very little cooking ability, he gave his friends a platform, a gastropark called Telefonica that showcases the best food Tijuana has to offer. Telefonica is located inside a warehouse-type space downtown. Part outdoor, part indoor, the gastropark is a collection of food trucks outside, plus more food, wine, and a brewery inside. The decor, the ambiance, the place shows off the more artistic, vibrant, cosmopolitan side of Tijuana. I'm Alan Liliental, and you're listening to Only Here a KPBS podcast about the unexplored subcultures, creativity, and struggles at the border. Today, we're going to take a break from the more produced pieces you're used to hearing in this show and continue our series of more casual, conversation-style episodes. Before we get to the interview, I've got a request for you. The Only Here team is currently on the hunt for cross-border love stories. We're looking for families and couples who've either been brought together or separated by the U.S.-Mexico border. If you've got a good cross-border love story, email podcasts at kpbs.org. That's podcasts with an S at kpbs.org. Or you can leave a voicemail at 619-452-0228. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Like a lot of border people, Antonio Gamboa has been shaped by his life on both sides of the border. I talked to him about how Telefonica was born and how it grew into a place that attracts a big cross-border crowd. And we eventually get into some exciting news about where the gastro park is going next. Antonio, welcome to the show. Bienvenido. Thank you, Alan. Gracias. I would love to hear about where you were born, which side you were born in, and did you, where did you grow up? Well, I, I, I was born in San Diego, like you said. Uh, it's very uh, common for my generation, 70-something, <laughs> to be born in San Diego and, and being uh, raised in Tijuana. Tijuana school, Tijuana, everything in Tijuana. Just was born here in San Diego. Yeah, that's the way it, it was back then. Did you cross the border a lot growing up? Yeah, I crossed the border a lot. I went to Little League over here. I grabbed a trolley. We went to the movies over here. I think it was uh, very convenient. My parents and I think the parents from my uh, my cousins and uh, my good friends, we would just go and uh, and like whatever. For us, crossing the border was very natural. We went to the beach. You, you didn't notice the border. What do you remember about the border crossing experience back then? What did it, what did it feel like? It, it felt uh, 
less crowded for sure. It felt less traffic. Uh, the uh, immigration officers were like, you just said you were a U.S. citizen, and they mostly took your word for it. And if not, you had a uh, birth certificate, and that was that, you know? You said you lived in Tijuana, and that's it. Where are you going? The beach, the movies, play baseball, whatever. Mm. And yeah. What was some of your favorite food growing up? Oh, of course, the tacos, you know. Tacos was <laughs> it's a way of life over there in Tijuana. Tacos over there. I think I had a conversation yesterday with somebody from San Diego that was uh, was saying, do you have, uh, like, we love those burritos that that we have over here in San Diego. It's very Tijuana. It's like, no, like, that's a California burrito. That's a San Diego thing, and it's, it's very good. It's great. But in Tijuana, you know you're in Tijuana when you get a taco and you didn't ask for guacamole and it's got guacamole and it's on a corn tortilla and that's pretty basic in Tijuana and that's very unique in in whatever part of Mexico how you get your tacos is where you grew up in you know you know you're in uh, Tijuana when you get that sort of taco mm. what was the food scene like in Tijuana back then cuz now it's obviously very renowned and you've yeah. been a part of that but back then were people excited about going out to eat in Tijuana I uh, I remember like uh, when I was young, I, we we would go out. Uh, I think Placencia family is like a staple over there, and they start off with the Giuseppe's, and it's like uh, your Filippi's over here. It's still great. I still refer to that restaurant as that. That started everything. Great food, great experience, and uh, very family friendly. And you know, you always had your tacos. You always had your tacos, and for me, that was growing up in Tijuana. Yeah. After graduating high school in Tijuana, Antonio had no idea what he wanted to do. His family's business wasn't doing well, so he knew he had to figure something out. He loves eating food, but it took him a while to turn that culinary passion into a plan. So how did you end up focusing on food? My dad had a bakery back in the day, and I really respected you know, how, the, how that worked. And I think I always enjoyed or respected like how these creations, culinary creations came come forward. And I think I've always been very interested in eating these different flavors and having these different foods. My my mom and my uh, grandmom were great cooks. Maybe my mom is still a great cook. Hmm. But I grew up in a very fortunate that we had great, great uh, Mexican lunches. So I have the opportunity to go to these great restaurants and eat with these great chefs and everything. And I compare that with the food I grew up with and I'm like, well, that's okay. It's not, you know. Sé cuando la comida tiene un cierto, una cierta técnica o un cierto sabor que es algo especial, ¿no? Do you think that kind of high standard that, that maybe you're life has given you is responsible for the way how much people love Telefonica? I've always wanted to keep those high standards, even though we're a very casual, very friendly, very family-orientated business. We have these great chefs that are pumping out great, creative, new Tijuana, new school Mexican cuisine. It's super delicious, super high-quality and affordable, you know? It's for everybody. There's no, there's nobody that cannot afford Telefonica. That is uh, why Telefonica works, because every chef over there also wants you to have that great experience and 
even though it's coming from a food truck. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it seems like food truck parks are more and more popular in Tijuana and in really kind of everywhere. Um, but it was probably very innovative back then when you started it. Why? How did that begin, the food truck concept? Why, did that, why, why specifically doing that? Well, a vacant lot that was owned by my family, where we started actually, so a uh, young man came in with a food truck and he said he wanted to park there. So my mom called me up and said, you know what, there's a young man who's very, uh, very respectful young man that wants to park here, but I don't know what to say to him because, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not that easy. So I said, okay, mom, I'll come talk to him. So I talked to him and I said, you know what, uh, it's very difficult to let you in here and, you know, no permitting, there's no lights, there's no nothing. So um, I said, but you know what, give me your CV and let me see who you are and, and let's see uh, if we can do something for you. I, I truly wanted to help him out. He seemed very nice, really. Antonio asked around and found out that the young chef had been trained at the Culinary Institute of Tijuana. Antonio knows the founder of the school, so he called him up and the guy had nothing but praise for the kid's talent. So Antonio decided to let the chef park his food truck in his family's lot and do his food truck thing. Uh, I came to the arrangement with him to uh, just let my mom eat for free when she was there and to clean up the space. And uh, if somebody came from the city or something, that he just parked there at his will. <laughs> we, we didn't know anything. So they were off to the races. The young chef started serving hamburgers and tacos, but not regular average hamburgers and tacos. Tijuana is a multicultural haven, so he started mixing in untraditional flavors using local and fresh ingredients. There was nothing like it in Tijuana, and people took note. Five fans turned into 10, then 20, and eventually there was a little crowd there every time Antonio would drive by the lot. It wasn't long before another chef took notice and asked if he could park his food truck there too. And I'm like, huh, like, <laughs> let me think about it. So then uh, we started to see if, if it was going to work. So I said, same deal, you know, don't worry about it. Let's see if we can get it, we can get it going, right? For the second food For truck. For the second food truck. So then a synergy kind of came over, like very good, good food from, from these little two carts and then I started with a friend talking about, you know what, what if I lease, officially lease the, uh, the property from my, my family and get these guys to pay for the, uh, for the lease? And it's a win-win for everybody, right? The lot had been sitting there empty for almost a decade. So he pitched the idea to the family and they said yes. After getting the green light, Antonio's architect friend offered to do some measurements and figure out how many trucks they could fit on the lot. So a couple of days went and he said, you can put like 19 food trucks here. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Like, yes. Oh, cool. So that'd be really good. And then we started thinking that maybe quality was the way to go and not quantity. And if we had these local young chefs, if there were proposals, if there were enough proposals we can do something with them and showcase them here and just have like 10. That was the magic number. And make a very, very uh, affordable lease. I went from how much would you spend if you have a food truck and you have to go park it wherever you need to go park it and then come back again. How much gas would you need to do that? So that was my premises on that's what you're going to pay rent. That's it, you know? So it was a very good proposition. It was a win-win proposition for everybody. So Antonio put the word out. 
any chef with a creative proposal was welcome to apply for a spot on the lot. And apparently there was a lot of interest because in just a few weeks, heavy hitters like Javier Plasencia, a now world-renowned chef from Tijuana, said they wanted in on the action. Most of the proposals were coming from food trucks that Antonio calls new school or creative and imaginative takes on the classics. But there was even interest among some more traditional chefs like Otto, a guy who has a following of his own among Tijuana's older crowd. And the mixing of the new school with the traditional really worked. The spot grew organically and without much more than word-of-mouth promotion. The locals kept coming and coming. It seemed like Tijuana was hungry for something new. How long were you guys in that, in that vacant lot for? About two years. About two years. So, and, and, and old school guy, uh, Otto, he struggled at first. But I think... Younger generations told that, oh, Otto is there. Oh, where's Otto? Oh, Otto is there. So, and it was when Facebook was also like starting up. So it opened it up to the it whole family. It up, yeah. So, Instead of just being for the young yes, people, it was for yes. everybody. Now now you would see not young people, but older generations of Tijuanenses coming into the, oh, there's, there's Otto over there, you know? Those, those flavors I remember, they're good. And now younger people said, oh, this is new for me. These... These all-school flavors are new to them also. Mm. So I think it's kind of it kind of just gelled there. And it really was a, uh, a fortunate mix of very talented and very responsible and very hardworking chefs and people that wanted to succeed. And I think they saw the opportunity as well. And mm-hmm. it was only going to happen with, with hard work. And sure. I think they, they succeeded very well at it. At what point did you realize that you had to move to a new place? When they, when my family asked for the lot, <laughs> we got to move. We got to move. We got to move. Unfortunately, we saw a place that was a block away from there, and it was a great opportunity with great people who owned that property, and they said yes. So they moved, and again, new opportunities presented themselves. The new place was much bigger, and with the craft beer craze in Baja on the upswing, Antonio and his partners decided to add a brewery. On the food side of things, the vendors just kept pushing the envelope. An octopus taco and a uh, tuna sashimi and a, uh, a bacon hot dog was unheard of also. So I think everything clicked at the right time. People were open to new things. So craft beer was is still part of our I think a new generation of uh, cuisine over here in Tijuana or in Mexico. In those early years, were you getting a lot of cross-border folks coming to Telefonica or was it mostly locals? I think a lot of locals, but I see San Diegans as locals as well. So I think uh, because a lot of people from Tijuana work in San Diego and they have a lot of friends from San Diego. So when they came to visit Tijuana for whatever visit, say, well, where, where do you eat? So... They eat there. <laughs> they, they, they ate at Telefonica, so it began to, to build up very organically. So people from San Diego were starting to come, and then uh, just word of mouth, just word of mouth uh, that you didn't have to go to this uh, sit-down fancy restaurant or pay restaurant prices to get this quality of food and uh, proposals from, from very talented people. You know, it's very casual setting, and I think San Diego is a very casual city, but in a very uh, sophisticated way. And I think that's what we ended up there in Telefonica doing. 
So you weren't necessarily targeting the cross, because right now Telefonica is huge for cro- people who cross the border. It's it's like a lot for a lot of people. It's the place they go to. <laughs> they have to go to. Well, I I feel very uh, very responsible and very uh, very fortunate that we can cater to people coming from San Diego or from all over the world and give Tijuana this good vibe about it. Or maybe they're coming to the doctor or maybe just having uh, crossing by to go to Valle or going to take a flight or whatever. I want them to come to Telefonica to let them know. And they're always surprised that, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting this in a good way, you know, mm-hmm. in a good way. And I think uh, there's a lot of things in Tijuana that are very good for Tijuana and for Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you feel, given Tijuana's reputation, you said you feel responsible. Like, is that something you constantly think about? How how people coming, the Telefonica is a shift I've, that I've seen, at least for many people who have never been or even thought about coming, and they come and they see Telefonica and it, something in their eyes changes. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. I was this is not what I was imagining yeah. in Tijuana. Do you yeah. feel like an ambassador for food and culture in Tijuana? No, or for shifting would, the identity? I wouldn't say that. I, I just feel uh, very proud for my city. I owe a responsibility, I think, for the people who are there collaborating with me, the chefs, to have Telefonica as as this place where people can refer to it in a very confident way. If somebody comes uh, to visit Tijuana and somebody suggests where to go to eat or where to go to, to have maybe a beer or, or go for the day, I feel that Telefonica is a very good option to see the new Tijuana and how it's evolving. You recently told the LA Times that you saw a 30% dip in business when the migrant caravans were coming and President Trump closed the border down. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it's changed or yeah, shifted in the recent months? It was kind of uh, very new. I lived in Tijuana all my life and have never seen that kind of uh, issue with, with migrants. As far as I know, they, they are taken care of and there are a lot of uh, nonprofits from both sides of the, of the border who who tend to these matters and tend to them very, very well. And I think this just, just went out of the hands of everybody. And they shut down the uh, the border for a couple of hours, and it affected every, every business in Tijuana that I know because of the publicity it got that shuts down the border, so you cancel reservations for everything, even doctor's appointments, you know, trips, so it did. It did affect. It you did. saw a dip in oh, Telefonica. Yes, yes. People coming. Significantly, it was in every news station in every newspaper. It was the trending topic that the border was shut down because migrants were out of hand. And I think it was uh, maybe there were fifty migrants <laughs> against like a army of U.S. officials. That you know it, they contained the situation in a couple of hours. But and and now is it has it gone back to normal in the recent months? It was just that issue. It was just that once. Everything from then on has been back to normal. Uh, obviously, Tijuana has had a reputation of violence for years, and this year, again, mm-hmm. the numbers that people see are on track to be extremely high. How does that affect reality on the ground and, and your business? Well, the reality is that we see these numbers for violence, and... Uh, you know, you don't you don't want to look for violence, but if you look for violence, you will find it. I think Tijuana is a very safe place, very very safe place. 
the new uh, administration, new uh, city officials and everything, uh, from what I have experienced, are doing a, a good job and they're trying to assess the, the issues. But I think those cases are very isolated. You won't see any violence or any... You won't see that stuff in the day-to-day Tijuana. It's, Do you get people bringing that up to you as reasons they don't want to come down there? No, no. I think the people who are who are down there uh, are aware that this is just uh, a stat that is that is real, but you don't see it. I mean, I don't know what is uh, the stats for that in like a major city in the U.S., but I would think that it's not in the hubs that where you are. You know, Tijuana has its downtown and it has his suburbs and it has his financial zone you don't see anything there the border you don't see any violence there there is order in tijuana Mm -hmm. so telefonica is always seems to be getting more popular and every time i go there's more people or if there's not you're always changing things or improving (laughs) things every time i think like oh this is a model that's it's great it works there's you're adding something whether it's the bar or the art gallery upstairs like where does this hunger to keep to keep creating, come from? What inspires that? I, I think that's the key. You have to keep changing. If you're successful, you're changing. You're constantly changing. I love to change. I love to. That's one of my models. I Change is good. There's no bad change. Think about it. <laughs> I agree. And I think that's actually part of Tijuana's power. Like yes. it's, it's ability, because it has no ties to tradition, it's made up of people from all over the, yes, all over Mexico yes, and all over yes, the world. Yes. It's like it's it's like a city of Legos. It's always constantly changing, and I think you've tapped into that the energy source of Tijuana that's consistently electric and changing and shifting and seeing what else can be done. Yeah, I think that's the resource resourcefulness of uh, Tijuanenses. Like we're changing, we're adapting. doing things, we're adapting things, we're we're doing something better always. Full disclosure to whoever's listening, my brother and some friends, Luisa and David, are running the new gallery that you're that is opening this weekend, actually. Yes, yes. Upstairs. Uh, what made you want to support local artists? Is supporting local Tijuana art important to you? Yes, I think we need more spaces for culture and art in Tijuana. We have this great cultural center, but I think we need more spaces that showcase these talented people that that are here in our cities or border cities and uh when your brother and uh, some friends came over i said great like yes like we need this you know we need people from tijuana to immerse themselves in in more culture and if it's art right now great Mm -hmm. you know yeah and i think it's great because maybe a lot of people both locals and foreigners that wouldn't necessarily go seek an art gallery on on a saturday like they wouldn't do that but Mm -hmm. they are going to go eat so if you're bringing the art to where they already love to be you're just increasing exposure for the amazing things that that are happening in Tijuana that maybe get overlooked. Oh yes, yes for sure. Maybe may people who are who do uh, appreciate maybe the food that is being served up in Telefonica and the drinks and the beer that is made in Baja uh, appreciate this kind of uh, art and uh, and culture that we need to showcase. With its mix of food, booze, and art. Telefonica has been so successful in Tijuana that Antonio has some amazing news for us here in San Diego. He says he's ready to bring the gastro park north of the border. He's in the middle of contract negotiations with a location and not quite ready to name names yet, but a San Diego location 
is in the works. What's going to be different about the one in San Diego from the one in Tijuana? Are you bringing people from Tijuana up? Yeah, we're bringing people from Tijuana up. Uh, some uh, familiar chefs from Tijuana are signed up for Telefonica Norte, we're calling it. We want to make it a, a very community-oriented uh, space also and just have this authentic, I want to say, Tijuanense or Baja style of uh, doing things and uh, cooking things in, in San Diego now. That's exciting, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> I hope yeah. the people of San Diego get blessed this year by that. Hopefully we get blessed by that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wins. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for talking to us and coming up from Tijuana. It's always a pleasure. Next time on the podcast, the existential crisis that can hit hard when you lead a truly binational life. Crossing on the daily... Uh, Makes you, you know, juxtapose a lot of things about the two cities and about maybe oneself. We talked to a guy who lives in Tijuana, but crosses almost every single day to run a food truck in San Diego. He gets real about both the struggles and benefits of living in both cities. Only Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Lilienthal. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Lisa Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is the director of programming. If you're into it, you can always call 619-452-0228 and leave us a voicemail to let us know what you thought of this episode or just to say what's up. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.